Kia and welcome to Design Assembly Conversations. In this series, we talk to Aotearoa New Zealand designers, hear their stories and celebrate their work. I'm Louise, Design Assembly founder, and today I'm talking to Kyra Clark and Fiona Grieve from Threaded Magazine. Threaded is an award-winning design studio established in Aotearoa New Zealand. The studio has a focus on client-based projects as well as their ongoing international design project, Threaded Magazine. They enjoy working closely with multi-stakeholder organizations looking to activate and engage with local communities to create positive change. Kyra Clark is the design director of Threaded Magazine and Threaded Studio, and Fiona Grieve is the creative director, alongside her role at AUT as the head of communications design. They have been in a creative partnership for over 20 years that has spanned towns and countries to become the close creative collaboration and friendship that it is today. Kia ora, um, Kaira and um, Fiona. Thanks very much for joining me on the Design Assembly Conversations podcast. It's really great to have you um, both here. And really, I'd love to start at the beginning um, with you and ask, um, where do you come from? Where are your roots? About five years ago now, I moved back to the north. So my roots are in the north. That said, I grew up in Auckland. I was raised in Auckland, um, studied in Auckland, and that's where Fiona and I met at Unitech. She was my, I think, third year final. Were you head of department? I don't even know now. So long ago. We're talking 20 years back. Know, that is a long time. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. So we, we had a, um, a student-teacher relationship, and that's grown over the past 20 years and fostered into a um, series of collaborations and deeper connections and a friendship. Um, and how about yourself, Fiona? Where, where are your, where's your background? Kia Louise. Thanks for um, having us uh, with you today. Um, I, actually, I first started going to school here. Tamaki Makora, and then my family made the bold move to move to Manawatu, um, and I went to high school um, there. And I um, then from there, I actually went to the South Island. I went to art school, and um, and then I kind of uh, got myself um, sort of in love with Dunedin and the whole kind of flying nun scene. And then it took me quite a while to force myself to leave there and move, um, yeah, move back up to Auckland, and now. Um, probably been here quite a while and had a little stint actually a few years ago in, in DC and then moved moved back um, and um, I, I still funnily enough you know if I'm supporting rugby or something like that I still feel a, a call to the Highlanders. No. <laughs> it's, true, it's true but I recently had a conversation with someone who told me that really it should be you should be supporting um, the the region that you were um, were born. So for me, I was born in Rotorua. So I'm thinking I might have to start becoming a bit of a Chiefs Waikato supporter. Oh, they're doing better, so that's all right. Still not near the Blues, but um, where you live, <laughs> we're not going to talk about the Blues though. <laughs> Yeah, well, we yeah, well, I, there's no way I can really talk about rugby at all. I have no oh, knowledge wow. in that area. Oh, well, they just lost. They 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 were winning the whole uh, super whatever it is, twelve, fourteen, yeah. whatever it is now, and they just lost to Canterbury because the Crusaders know how to win finals. Basically, what I, what I did see last night, though, if I'm right, is that there is a um, a female Blues team now. 
Oh. Is that right? Or something, I think, um, they had it on the project with um, Kanoa. Um, so I thought that looked quite cool. It's quite awesome. No. Yeah. No. And maybe wow. some, some kind of. I think there's the women's world rugby. Oh, yeah, there definitely yes, is. Coming Look, that, yeah. That's like the Black Ferns. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. very cool. It was impressive. I went and saw that, the team play recently. It was amazing. Mm. Yeah, well, that's happening now in New Zealand. Like, yeah. uh, we've got USA up here. They're taking over our complex where mm. the kids play soccer. We can't train anymore because it's mm. the new training ground. Yeah. So the USA, they've all met. They've gone to the school met the kids, the USA women's team. Mm. So it's about to kick off, I think, in September. Yeah. But they're all over here training now. And that's great, right? I mean, it speaks of, like, huge cultural um, changes that we're going through at the moment. Oh, massive. Uh, you know, and across the board um, mm. in terms of gender and um, um, culture as well, which I think is really important to kind of um, recognise because, I, like, you know, especially at the moment we can kind of get a bit lost in kind of everything that's um, not going right, but there's definitely a lot of stuff that is going right, which is pretty cool. Totally. Um, can any, either of you speak to kind of, uh, you know, mentors that you had or, like, did you have family members involved in kind of the art and design scene or what was it that drew you towards um, design as a career pathway? For me, yeah. uh, it's probably different to both of us, yeah. but um, I always wanted to be an architect. And, uh, I remember that, you saying that. Yeah, 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 that, that yeah. kind of, I mean, fast-forwarding, you know, um, my life really, but I've just... I worked for Tower Hill Architects and then I was lucky enough to be exposed to architecture and mm. I spent two years there and was fortunate to work on the bridge climb logo mm. at that point. Like the Harbour Bridge just opened the bridge climb um, and the jumps and everything. And so that was my first kind of, we came through an era of not really having graphic design as a term in yeah. school, uh, you know, tech design, um, but we weren't really, logos and things like that weren't at the forefront of people's minds what they might do when they grow up when they grow up and <laughs> um so then I left and went and studied uh design but yeah that was kind of the catapult for me in terms of getting into design learning and who inspired me I mean we're constantly learning but when I was studying I was looking at the pro design magazine you know design works who were kind of leading the way and still are DNA um yeah, just studios. The church was quite instrumental for me um, because they were they had mentorship programs, and I don't know if it was just with UniTech or with all of the tertiary institutes where we got to do projects like real life projects. I worked on Charlie's orange juice and you know Matariki um, brochure for the council and just certain small projects with them. So there was that exposure to real world learning, mm. uh, which I think was quite nice, and it and it really aligned with what we were doing. with threaded as well and then, I mean there's constant mentors as we go and as we grow and as we learn and I think we're constantly learning from you know our clients our colleagues we work with like Amanda Yates for example and she's leading the way in well-being research and working with iwi and council for kind of practice-led and design-led solutions Lisa Reha and I could go on I mean there's yeah. so many that we are with or around that we learn from every project we're learning right and so Threaded was started when you were still a student then? Yeah. They were, I mean, because yeah. ProDesign did like one magazine a year. Yeah. They featured graduates and being a student myself and wanting to get my work seen and Fiona being in the student teaching environment, um, 
it was just something that yeah my my OE money went on <laughs> went into to make that happen and, and it's had it you know it's had, a, it's had its own iterations of change like we were lucky enough to work with DesignWorks and it's fourth edition to rebrand and really solidify that that structure so that it wasn't just about students which of course while I was a student it was um but yeah they realized and we realized that for students work to be seen there needs to be industry uh looking at it so the best way was to profile industry so they can look at who's who what's what and then alongside that there's that kind of bridge you know between emerging and established artists and designers yeah, it's a hard one. I think, we're, yeah, we're constantly influenced and inspired and learning. So, Fiona, I mean, you may have more to add to that. Yeah, look, I think I think that's one of the beautiful things about collaboration, you know, and, and partnership, mm. really, mm. is that, um, you know, in a kind of really nicely kind of magnetic way, it kind of attracts and you bring those those people, it becomes really kind of reciprocal. Yeah, look, and it also, I think, you know, that question you asked at the beginning about, you know, what are the things that moved you into a kind of creative path and... Mm. Even when you think back, like for me, you know, I have to kind of pay homage to um, my grandparents, you know, and and the way that they gardened, you know, had veggie gardens and then got it preserving and bottling and sewing and making stuff. Um, And that, you know, you kind of, um, you know, for me it kind of starts there. But then I think the other thing that happens in school is, um, I don't know about you both, but, you know, the art department was a kind of a, a place that you could kind of retreat to you know, in, mm. in like, especially in high school, you know, it was kind of like one of those safe havens. And yeah. uh, and so, you know, I always kind of really respected that as a space. And I think the other thing for me is I was never really that good. Like, <laughs> I think I failed everything, you know, creatively, <laughs> yeah. you know. And so, of course, with that comes kind of more interest and challenge sometimes, right, <laughs> because you kind of have no natural, mm. you have kind of no natural skill or something or, or ability, so you got to kind of work work at it. Well, I mentioned in, when Lindsay interviewed me for this podcast, I think I did, um, but, yeah, infamously I got a D for design. <laughs> um, but by that stage, um, Peter Gilderdale had already let me into AUT, so. Um, <laughs> but I kind of came home from the going to the big day out, you know, midnight and my results were there, and I was like, well, oh, well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's quite interesting, isn't it? Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, we could talk, you know, you could talk about kind of that whole school system in that respect, but, you know, obviously it's um, changed, yeah, as you say, in 20 years. Yeah, <laughs> in terms totally. Of they mark students, but, um, I mean, it's a good point to, you know, be honest about and share, right, because as you say, it's kind of sometimes those, it's the failures that spur you on uh, to different oh, directions. Yeah, the biggest <laughs> learnings definitely come from failures, and I mean, yeah, Fiona, you you have obviously your your eye for design, like you hone in on what, you know, you're really strategic in your thinking and your process, but it may not be the, the execution, the doing, but still yeah. that creative, that side of creativity. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, for a while, like in the studio, especially before um, I moved to the States and, and, and Kai went up north, you know, we would have times where obviously, you know, your pipeline of work would come in and it would be like, oh, my God, should I be on the tools? And Kai would just mm. look in pain and go no no, no we'll get other no but we, we were you were a little bit when we had to be we were learning you know yeah. the yeah. stuff we needed yeah yeah which is kind of interesting because mm. of course see I went to art school I actually went to art school to be a sculptor mm. and then realized I actually had no spatial disposition <laughs> um after you know having having thought that that was why um and so then I moved into painting you know in my master's at 
in Australia, it's all in in painting. But of course, painting was a nice segue through across into um, illustration and thinking about text and image. And mm. um, and then the beautiful one of the beautiful things about being um, like you know operating across education as well is that you are learning. You know, by virtue of teaching, you're always learning. So for me, I felt like that gave me. Um, as I was moving into lecturing and design, that gave me an education as well. But there's something quite nice too that comes from that kind of fine arts perspective, um, you know, particularly in terms of process and ideation. And I guess that thing Kai was talking about is the eyes, you know, like what you see. So, so for me, it's always been quite neat to surround myself with those people that have the craft component and on the tools, but not actually something that, um, yeah, it's quite painful to watch me in that space and slow, you know, whereas, um, so I guess in that way too, Kai and I um, sort of divided in a way some of the focus points, mm-hmm. even though it overlaps all the time. It, it kind of ended up being quite quite nice kind of marriage in that way. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that definitely resonates with myself as well. I guess that's, you know, where I kind of um, took a different path after 10 years in the working on the tools, so to speak. And it's quite an interesting point because I wonder, you know, is that just something that you have to kind of live through and go through? Yeah, at that, some that stage pain? you stop. Yeah, yeah. Just I had to figure your place out. Yeah. Totally. I was talking about this at the opening of the last edition with Khan. Yeah. You know, they're bringing on juniors and, and, mm. that, and that's another development, you know, learning and teaching and then passing on knowledge and, and, and giving them that creative, um, creative freedom and space to kind of come into their own um, but like managing them in a way that you know they feel supported, yeah. Um, and stepping back, and I definitely think I have issues with um, delegation and, and stepping back. I I, I want to do it all, yeah. and it's a real problem I have. Um, but I was just thinking too when Fiona was talking about you know uh, coming back to that ideation and the things she was learning through her mm. uh, study. Like when I was studying, it was Unitech was heavily theory based. I think too and although I don't think you can teach an eye for design, you can teach what has worked and why it worked and learn, you know, the theory behind composition or hierarchy of pipe or um, behavioural or, you know, cues in design. And I think I was really interested when I was studying, I was thinking about this last night in semiotics and I was like, oh, how has that really played out? But it plays out in everything because it's really if you're doing a brand or you're doing a... uh, you know, a poster, you know, did this poster that you can see behind me and it's really about signs. It's really about um, symbolism and what people will interpret. And you're always, as a visual designer, that's your job really, isn't it? To think about what you can marry with a graphic to give or convey a message. Um, So I just thought that was kind of foundational for me to kind of click into that at Unitech. And I think Unitech is different now than it was I think it bred a lot of uh, self-starters and uh, gave them the tools not necessarily technically like you still had to learn a lot yourself but gave them the confidence to have a breadth of understanding uh, across the design discipline to go into business themselves because there's a lot of us from my year that I still that I know have done quite quite well in setting up studios and carrying on yeah, you. So you work, went straight from graduating and straight out into working for yourself. No, I didn't. I worked one year with an agency in Point Chev, uh, oh, okay. Make Ready, and that was yeah. a print. It was predominantly print focus. Mm. 
So there, there I learned skills that I possibly never could have learned going straight into, say, Colenso or the type of agency where you're, you know, this is your part and you hand it over to maybe art department. Um, because it was a small firm and because we had to go do press passes, I learned a lot of knowledge then that I kind of hadn't had to, although I'd been press passing the magazine, I'm not sure I really knew what I was looking for. It just did it look good. Um, you know, just, I hadn't had any real issues with registration or understanding that paper breathes and moves and flows and there's, there's things that can happen on the press that aren't exactly like you set up on your file. Um, but, yeah, while I was there, it gave me kind of, yeah, I, this is not what I want to do. I want to start a studio. And, you know, off the back of the magazine, we were getting a lot of inquiries. You know, we were setting up ads at that stage. Threaded had ads. We had clients coming to us through the magazine. So it made sense in 2007, I think. Yeah, so the magazine was born in 2004 while I was studying. as was in my second year of four-year four degree, Bachelor of Design, VizCom. Um, yeah, and then in 2007, I officially launched Threaded as a company, and then it's obviously a company of two halves. Yeah, and Fiona, you were, um, you've always been balancing um, between education <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. working on Threaded. So yeah. how's that been? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. well, actually, that's, um, yeah, so the more, I guess, I started moving into away from the painting department probably, you know, in, into um, communication design, graphic design. Um, I think the other thing that, as Kai's saying, that started to occur is that people people need things, right? They need mm. You know, they need whether it's, you know, brand or um, you know, what kind of collateral that they, they need for their business. And so for me, one one of the things, and one of the first ways Kai and I actually worked together is a client reached out to me who was launching a Māori insurance company. And so mm. and so that was kind of like, I was like, okay, well, um, you know, who, who can I partner with? Who can I work with? And that's actually how um, Kai and I first did something mm. that segued us out of um, that kind of student lecturer um, relationship and that was actually um, yeah that, that was quite cool because the other thing that was sort of emerging and is the more we got more client work that we did together we also had to um, design our kind of creative system you know for like how mm. we we're going to work together how we we're going to triangulate with working with you know um, you know research and understanding what someone else's needs were and get inside um, you know their business and 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 kind of um, you know their subject area um, and so that was quite cool, actually, having to think about and then actually design the creative process and starting to think about, um, you know, subsequently how each studio does that, right? They mm. have their kind of whole kind of unique um, system. And so, you know, that's kind of something that we often, um, you know, we kind of revisit continually mm. as well, which is kind of cool. Um, so, so yeah, kind of, kind of merged that way and... I think the other thing for me, like just get that move towards design is recognising that um, I'm actually a team person. I'm not the romantic mm. single um, solo artist, you know, <laughs> and, that, and that for me there was always kind of a loneliness about, about being a painter and being in the studio. And, and probably before, before I kind of moved into education, the, the last kind of, or, yeah, and before I kind of moved into doing a master's, I, I actually had a painting band in Dunedin called For Dice For Tease. And I think it I think that's where I kind of went, oh, I'm more excited about the fact I'm in this painting band. <laughs> and instead of making music, we'd make exhibitions and we'd paint um collaboratively. So any painting anyone started, you had the kind of digs to go and just carve in and 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 so 
pretty pretty kind of fluid thing. But I think that also my takeaway there is realizing that it's the team, it's working with others that's the kind of driver. Mm. So that's where design for me took a, a another kind of turn. Yeah, and it's all of these things over time, right? Where you're learning about yourself in terms of exactly what you are good at, what you like doing, how you want to live your life. Um, that adds to the total picture. Yeah, I mean, that was quite a poignant point. I mean, for bringing us together as well as um, being Māori but growing up away from my hapu, from my marae, from my culture, really quite um, separated in Auckland and not feeling like I belonged in either place, Um, doing a Māori project with a Māori client who the brief was more around them. It was more around him. I think we based it more on his moko, his connection to a totara tree and the leaf of a totara tree being uh, the tohu that we we ended up on. That was, a, you know, after that I was then invited to do um, Ngātiho tohu, which is where I come from, but it's five marae. And I, I remember approaching that like the other job where you can't just go to the library and look it up and you can't just uh, find the information online. It, it was all about conversation and it was all about extracting the corridor and then visually conveying that um, in a way that I found much more challenging because it has to be accepted, you know, it had to be walked around the marae, it had to be challenged and accepted and approved. And that was like a real learning I just say to mum, like I was saying, there's so many more cup of teas. Like I have to have so many cup of teas. I can't just email and, you know, I have to go see them like kanohiki to kanohi to face and have a cup of tea and get this out of them. And I almost, it's like a test. You have to ask the right questions to get the answers you want. Like it's a very different uh, role. And, I, yeah, I think that was one of the things I noticed too from that project to then the Ngāti Hill project to then, 16.2, which was quite a seminal one for us too, um, which was the first time I think our studio, which is a bicultural studio at that point, we had Nick with us, we had interns with us, um, and we were asked to lead and represent ourselves in a way that we wanted to in our country and our culture. Um, so that was kind of a, a tipping point for us to flip what we do with studios all the time in Threaded Magazine and be really kind of reflective on ourselves, on how we were portraying ourselves to the world because it then went to the Germany Book Fair and I had to fly over and present yeah. it, you know. Yeah. So that was um, that was quite a massive one and, and, and that kind of has really uh, led the way for where we've been moving since then, I think. I think that feeds nicely into me asking about, you know, what's kind of a, a very important or, like, special <laughs> project that you've undertaken and I'd really love to... Um, hear more about kind of your you know journey in terms of moving um back to where you're from and and how that's informed your work and and um for everyone who hasn't heard about this edition where you that you took to the world tell us about that do you want to start there or yeah Yeah, yeah, so um yeah so 16.2 is um was commissioned by Fredrigoni who we um have had a um an, an ongoing relationship with and actually they just um in COVID shipped us all the stock for this latest issue which is pretty beautiful to to be gifted um from 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 them and I think I think as Kai said like you know to to suddenly um 
find ourselves where we're being asked to lead and present, you know, it was quite interesting because we'd spent so much time, um, you know, kind of constructing a framework for, um, you know, threaded magazine that um, helped locate and position other people's practice and create a platform for that, that then to have to um, turn that back into ourselves and then spend quite a lot of time having kind of um, a corridor together about that. And out of that, what was quite nice is that a lot of um, shift in motif and ways we thought about representation, ways we thought about story, um, ways that we made, you know, kind of connection to place and whakapapa, uh, you know, that that kind of, um, in a way, that shifted and started us to think about a really different framework for um, who we, you know, what was important to us, who we were. And so that's why we always talk about 16.2 as a turning point. Mm-hmm. And even and even when we go back now, we start to look at how motifs started to shift and, you know, even the way that we had to um, think about what stories and, and, what, and back to semiotics again too, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, symbolism and narrative was, uh, yeah, was quite different. I think that stayed with us, you know, quite, yeah, quite a lot, that, that piece of work. And now, actually, it has more connection um, to some of the last issues of Threaded, really, that changed quite radically as a consequence of that. But sometimes for us, I think, and we've been doing a bit of writing recently, <coughs> that might also just be because, you know, when I moved back from the States, I moved back into an academic role as well. But writing is quite interesting, eh, Kai, the way that it's helped us work out um, yeah. a different way of thinking about the kaupapa for what we do. Yeah, and just how we structure things. And I was thinking about this too. I know we're digressing from uh, the, the question, but we will come back to it. But I was thinking about uh, Edition 20 uh, comparatively, which, you know, was based on New Beginnings in Matariki, yeah, and it profiled 10 emerging, like amazing established um, Māori designers and mahitoi artists. And I was thinking about how that was launched comparatively, say, four years or so later, how this was launched. And it just really showed me, um, you know, that, that social kind of shift. Like there's this new, not, an, not an emergence, not a, I don't know what the word is, but like, you know, there's so much more, like, companies are changing their names, their, their Māori names, they're embracing the culture. There's a real shift in biculturalism. And um, I think the way that we treated this launch compared to that really showed that, like, the, the tikanga that was upheld in the approach for the issues that we were revealing because this new issue is, you know, it's our special edition, it's Te Pō and Te Marama, and they sit back-to-back in a Z-fold format, um, and they're kind of housed by Te Kore. The creation story was the underlying kind of structural narrative to it, and that binds both of, obviously, the darkness and from the darkness came the light. Um, and those narratives were connected back to the early conversations we were having around the pandemic and, you know, people finding connection and some actually not and feeling really isolated so we aligned to pull with the darkness and the isolation and the light and the connection with Tao Marama. And that really, I think, was born out of conversations that we had with uh, my kuia, Tipura, Fai Tipura, and other Komatua and Fano around, um, you know, the, there was a waiata called Tipu, and that talks of the creation story and kind of light being released, or the varying, varying stages of light being released from the darkness. Um, and that 
was really quite um, empowering for us because we had then a cultural way to really represent the pages that we do and hold it together that we felt we could stand behind and connect to. Whereas otherwise we just had these, like how many things have been born out of COVID? Like, oh, it was a response to the pandemic. Oh, we did this in the pandemic. There's so many creative projects. I'm not saying they're not great, but, you know, it just felt like the same type of thing and we needed something more grounding for us, um, more spiritually and emotionally and kind of, I don't know, enriching for us to connect to, to then run with it. And that's that's kind of the beginning of how this issue started. And before it had started, well, we'd had a meeting and there'd been holdups with the paper. It took seven months to get here. And, you know, there was just all sorts of things. We, we lost some associates due to financial impacts of COVID. And so it was a really testing time for us to get it across the line. But I think it almost gave us more time to develop that thematic and that narrative within ourselves, within our team, and really stand behind it too. Would you agree? We did the Link 21 Symposium and we hadn't done the issue, but we were talking about the issue, which was really interesting. We hadn't even finished designing it. And, you know, it's a tricky thing to talk about something, even once you've designed it, because you're so in it, but in lead up to something you haven't done and you're almost like, are we going to uphold everything we're talking about? It was, um, but it also was a really good thing because it was a recorded presentation and Kotepu, we had the um, Waita, my sister, had sung it for us for that presentation. So we had some elements which actually really uh, had a second life with Threaded because it led into things with Marie Sheehan, uh, where she's an amazing sound engineer or designer or artist or all of the above, um, but bringing her on board and then getting the karaki and the mihi, uh, you know, upholding the tikanga when you move into each book working with those people to get those sounds, then pass them to Marie to kind of master them and give a sonic experience to this edition, which we've never done before. And then we've got Tatiana who did the augmented reality. So she really was activating that motif and playing on those realms and the depth of those realms from the creation story in a visual sense, you know, accommodated with that sonic experience. So that, that's like new territory for us. And that obviously came out of that collaboration that came out of some of those, the time and the thinking and the writing and the presentation that was happening at, in, in kind of our parallel, I guess. Yeah, I think I think because this issue, um, the team, you know, there was a shift in the team as well, and that was mm. one of the, the, the great things about the connection with AUT is that mm. in, uh, in the de- communication design department, like, you know, George Hagian, yeah, David Collins, David. You know, they came on um, as kind of co-editors really early on. And then as we were kind of inside, kind of forming that, the co-papa along with, you know, Kyra's, um, uh, you know, Farnow and, and Kuya is that inside that, of course, then it just gets richer and kind of deeper. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then that allowed us to think about, um, you know, conceptually, you know, how we were going to... Um, you know, respond to these realms and these layers and the kind of significance mm. of, of of these stories, um, and and that I think had also been really seeded in the twentieth issue where we had to start to think about a co-papa which also kind of stands in and, and, and represents what you believe in, like what are your values, yeah, and what's the kind of purpose. Um, and I think we were kind of inspired by you know some of the creators totally. from Naho that really influenced us through that. 
And it was a good opportunity to, to look back and see how much earlier issues had been really responsive to our romance and graphic design. You know, and that some mm-hmm. of our thematics and concepts there, even though ones I'm still super excited about, but, you know, they did situate themselves in a far more probably colonial kind of model around mm-hmm. design and even the thematics. So, um, so, so really, you know, that, that big turning point from 16.2 has been quite, quite significant. Um, and in a way, it does probably represent our partnership more now than um, and with confidence, um, I think, about who we are and what we bring to that has mm. been um, so that there's no, sort of no going back. It feels like a very, very different editorial uh, proposition that we have. Mm. And I think I want to, you know, take this moment to really acknowledge and congratulate you in leading the way um, the culture within, you know, design and Aotearoa um, in this way too and, you know, being at that um, opening two months ago, a couple of, mo- couple of months ago, a month ago, um, yeah. yeah, as you say, it's just, uh, it, it just feels, I feel like we are integrating this so much the, um, to our Māori, it just wouldn't have, I, w- I think I mentioned to you on the night, it's like, wow, this, yeah, wouldn't have happened kind of four or five totally. years ago, so, um, you know, I really want to, um, kind of thank you for um, being in that space and and profiling, you know, um, Maori designers and artists. Um, and as you say, it's this, you know, this kind of stake in the ground that we're uh, moving forward in this respect, which is really exciting. And at mm. the same time, mirroring, uh, mirroring, you know, your values and your partnership. And I guess, you know, as we go through life, right, it's, as you say, the ongoing learnings and, and having that maturity and confidence in, in who we are and, and bringing that to the world. What, what kind of what um, point does or what um, place does Threaded hold then in kind of your expanded uh, day-to-day as, a, as designers, as um, academics and um, as a studio? You mean where is our time spent or how yeah. are we positioned? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. So okay, what are your, I suppose, what are your plans kind of for the next issue and um, oh, iteration and, and is it kind of a, you know, I think like you were saying, like taking your time and being able to kind of pause and with um, COVID giving us those delays as well, it's like giving you mm. more, spending mm. more time to think and reflect. And as you say, working with um, uh, your clients and, um you know, Māori organisations as well. It's this, it's this real slowdown in how we operate, which mm. is also um, great, I think, and we need to embrace more of that in terms of, you know, response to yeah. not only COVID but the environment and how we're living. Um, mm. So it seems to me that you know, threaded is this opportunity to to take it slowly and to create um, an artifact in response to a time um, that can mm. can have an ongoing life. One of the things actually that we have always tried to have is a, is a model that um, triangulates with um, what we call our associates, like on, longer standing partners, mm-hmm. like Frigionia and Mr. Shu. Yeah. Uh, we worked for a long time with Centurion. But we also have always tried to have an academic partner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that this issue, which we're really fortunate to get strategic research funding from um, AUT School of Art and Design, and, and that enabled this issue to be free. And our associate model, which is the kind of reciprocal, um, you know, they, they play to their strengths, we play to ours, um, that, that's a way for them to showcase as well, you know, whether it be paper or print or, you know, particular embellishments. But 
And and so that has moved us to for this issue to be being free, which is you know phenomenal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's always a challenge for us: is how do we how can we hold those partnerships in order to be able to move into production? You know? and so that's all that will, that's always going to be you know anybody that's you know making artifact, um, particularly in the publication space. You know, so so that's where, in a way, it becomes challenging as to how do we, you know, secure that funding to be able to kind of move forward, and how do we um, find our way through that? So so we're a little bit, um, you know, that's always kind of in there. We can't, it, yeah, you know, without without having clarity around that, um, and sometimes that's timing, right? Mm. You know, um, and then you know, whereas. The, you know, it's the fun part is, you know, the um, conceptually, you mm. know, and, and thinking about what you want to give voice to. I mean, that's, you know, we, we, you do that daily. So so when, you know, we, we think about kind of next issue, some of it has some of those pragmatic aspects, yes. whereas what I feel is really articulated for us now is is the kind of platform we've established and how and the approach. We an editorial mm. and a creative and a cultural, you know, mm. and collaborative, we're quite clear on that. So, um, and I think the other thing that's super exciting about about this issue was, you know, what we're t- saying and how we widened those that creatively came in and collaborated, and even just the way that we recognised that with the narrative and the story, you know, there was so much entwined around breath um, and you know, waiata and um, you know, oral storytelling that we needed we needed sound, you know, and then and then you know, how do you house sound in a publication? And then, of course, that was, you know, AR allowed us a way to um, activate um, the way we were talking about these seen and non-seen realms. And so AR is a really layered, um, Mm -hmm. you know, a way that kind of gave a visual language to that kind of spiritual dimension. So there's also a really nice way of extending or having to kind of challenge yourself around, you know, how does a publication operate in other kind of sensory you know, paradigm. So, um, so all of that kind of moves it forward. But again, it's going to come down to um, that our partnership model in a way. And I mean, that's twofold too, because it is a passion project, right? Like this is the studio does it for the love of it. So we we have to emotionally be connected to the issue, to the addition, to the conceptual framework, to the thematic to the people that are being profiled, or we won't make the time. Like, you make the time for things you love. So, uh, and we both don't have much time between <laughs> studio projects, which mm. are the bread and butter, and, you know, Unitech, family. We're both, you know, we've both got children. Mm. There's other kind of factors in our lives that sit around this and are a part of it. So you can't do everything. It has to be worth the time that you're investing. Yeah, but that's... Um, one of the things Kai just touched on there, that which I think it's really important for us to acknowledge, is there are a lot of studios and creatives that have been generous in investing. Oh, yeah, um, totally. Energy and time, totally. Project, mm. You know, like yeah, you know, like that. We're heavily that, reliant on them. Yeah, that I mean, you know, you talked a little about that kind of mentoring, but you know, in a way, a lot of the um, responses. Um, those creatives, you know, because we've for quite some time now, when we reach out and invite um, collaboration, those studios and creatives get four double-page spreads to lead and present the kind of ethos and co-popper of, of their studio and their practice. And that's a beautiful mentoring gift straight away, you know, to mm-hmm. see um, 
you know, how that how they respond. And we've also had studios where we've invited them to lead the cover gatefold, mm. which is an ongoing kind of format that we utilised as a kind of micro, macro way to um, engage with story. And so, you know, like alt you know, they, you know, they've done an issue with the cover, you know, mm, design works, cover, yeah. design works, you know, so, so that is another really kind of nice way straight away that you get some insights and people are extremely generous. Uh, with mm. that. And so I think we worked out, I don't know whether if it's 130 or 140. Yeah, I think it's 144. Yeah. You know, so, and that's, that's kind of, uh, as Around the world too now yeah. because we launched internationally in 2011. Mm. So that's, yeah. I mean, it, it was, we're never going to run out of amazing creators. I don't, you know, that's definitely not a, but I mean, yeah, that, that participa- you know, participatory aspect is huge. Like it, it wouldn't exist without it, right? And that comes back to mahitahi to collaboration and um, them believing in it enough to give their time towards it. And let us in, give us that insight and that mm. portal to how they operate. Mm. And it's very freeing not to um, set it on like, well, we must do the next issue mm. by this date um, and then be able to thoughtfully respond to mm. whatever it is that, um, you know, comes up next. Um, so, I mean, it sounds like this will very much always be a part of your practice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I imagine that it must um, inform your studio work and push um, push you and push the boundaries of your um, commercial work. Yeah, I think definitely. I, I mean, being based up here, we are doing a lot more work with Hapu, with Iwi, with the Runanga. Um, you know, just yesterday I was in Kaipara at the Dagaville City Council for a, a I went with Bernard Makore, who is the chair of Toinapu, who is one of our clients. Mm. Um, but we had worked collaboratively on some of the graphic manifestation that support the carving that he'd done up the top. So he wanted me to come along and hit the corridor. And I just thought his knowledge base, like if I could just press record, because it's just, mm. you know, it's phenomenal that the knowledge, I mean, he was going back, you know, through through back into the 1800s prior as we were driving through these hills, telling me of the Tanifa that lived there, of the chief of the, the Rangatira at that time. Um, you know, he was talking about that he had been commissioned to do this. Uh, it was a pai pai above the uh, the doorway, and I had worked on the whakawai, which were the legs essentially leading up to the pai pai. Uh, it was called Matakupinga, and it was based on the fishnet or the holes in the fishnet where the fish would come in but couldn't get out, and the mata or the eyes were all of the marae and hapu surrounding the area and he talked to the faces and, and, I mean, it was incredible. But what really kind of struck me was that he was talking about being commissioned to do this mahi, but what they were buying wasn't art. They were buying his artistry and they were buying the thing that sat there, but they do not own it, that it was a gift, an aspirational gift to the treaty, to the hope that mana whenua and the council can work together side by side you know and I just thought that was a really lovely thing that you weren't you don't own it it isn't like art that you change when you kind of think oh I don't like that anymore I'll just replace it that if it came down it would be 
treated like it would go to a museum or it would go to the hapu it would go to the iwi it wouldn't just be a decorative thing that meant nothing you know it really connected that area and the stories of that area and I just it was a really uh powerful I mean the mayor was there it was a really powerful Mm. thing to be a part of and just to see the mana of the people that we work with Mm. like firsthand yeah yeah and these and this idea and concept of these um values that are gifted and so it's aspirational yeah. that mm. um you know as a collaboration yeah and as an organization it's like it's uh, well, let's live up to these and aspire, totally aspire to work better yeah. together yeah yeah and Which he was can talking be taken away totally and, and he was talking about it not working like you yeah. know had been done in the past and it didn't work and here we are trying again for this bicultural you know this this working in unison as as peers and as um yeah I just thought that was really it was quite powerful so just being exposed to that and also I mean obviously I've got uh Taiohi working with me at the moment who who are doing a masterclass and in internship in graphic mm. design um and they're both fluent to their Māori so I'm learning all the time off them you know just just being around that I mean I would say 70% of the, the emails I get are full to deal. Yeah, and I am not a full to deal speaker. I can grasp it, I can understand it if it's speaking slow, but I get lost in tense. And you know, I was talking about that with Bernard yesterday. I was like, I just don't know how I'm ever gonna be at this level. Like, you know, and he said, Well, I wasn't fluent, and it just like I was just smacked in the face because yeah. he's incredible. You know, I was like, What do you mean? Didn't you grow up speaking it like everyone else seems to around here? And he's like, No, I grew up in Auckland, you know, I was 14 or 15, and mm. I was training to be a carver I mean he's a master carver and the man who was teaching him said at that point if you do not kōrero in te reo Māori mm. he'll not talk to you yeah but he had all his questions he had to learn and that was his like you know that propelled him into learning what he knows and having the knowledge base that he knows it's in him anyway it's in all of us but I just felt like where am I going to find time to ever be fluent to ever you know and so these um, young designers that are working with you, are they um, have they studied at a design school? No, they just come no, from high so, school, or so they are. So uh, Taihi are between eighteen and twenty-five. That's the general age. It's like just past rangatahi. Yeah. Um, so they are, one is practicing. One works at Arco, who we profiled in this edition, and she's just done a year, I think, there, maybe two years, symphony but no formal training. And ARCO is more urban uh, architecture, community-based design uh, studio, and they're based in Kaikohi. And then the other one, Nico Campbell, she is based in Whangarei. She's creatively, I mean, they had to apply for the internships and we had to go through that process. Uh, she's, she's creatively exceptional, but she's never been on the tools. Mm. So it's different different journeys for both of them and different learnings. But it's also, you know, it comes back to us giving back to people that give in, you know, give to us. So kind of raising up them helps us in the future. We can work with them. We can learn from them. Yeah, and you learn a lot from, obviously, um, younger people. Totally. (laughs) Um, Fresh minds. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, And, like, how do you find time then, or are you just making time for that particular part then and kind of mentoring and would you see them kind of potentially coming on board and working with you at your studio or? I would hope so. Yeah. That is the hope in the future. I mean, we have a base of 
we're we're a very uh, nimble studio in the yeah. sense that you know we expand and contract as and when we need to uh, with the projects. So I think uh, at least at a contract basis, I would hope so, because we're always looking for Maori designers. I mean, mm. I had an interview with Breeze, Fiona from AUT, and not through you even. <laughs> that was, you know, girl is a pitta. So we're always, and I think it's just some things can't be taught too, mm. like culturally some things can't be taught. Yeah. So having uh, designers with that knowledge base is a huge asset when, when we're, we're operating in this space. And day-to-day, Fiona, um, how um, involved are you with uh, Threaded as a studio and, and work? Yeah. It kind of really just depends on the nature of the project yeah. and who the client and the scope of it and then, you know, whether it's um, sometimes it's scale really and then mm. and then it's also where, you know, research needs to, to be undertaken or there's a kind of a, a more of a... Um, I know more sometimes more challenge around conceptually working out what is going to be the kind of the approach we're going to take you know and then it usually comes because we want um we want to kind of uh, move something around together and kind of challenge each other through it you know so mm-hmm. it really just comes down to um yeah what kind of research what kind of writing what kind of ideation sometimes it might be um critique you know or feedback or a, a, a you know it might simply be something where Cora wants to be challenged on something or is putting something there that um, doesn't quite have a resolution or, you know, so it just, it really just does depend on the nature of the project and who's mm. doing the project, the time frame for the project and the scale. Um, and, and in a way I feel like, um, you know, there's the client-based work and then there's the projects that we kind of do for the love of it. And then, um, now there's been more um, probably conference work that we're probably doing together, more writing, mm. journal articles. Presentations. Um, yeah, presentations. So that's probably expanded a lot more, that component where, you know, like we'll just finish a project and then it'll be like, Kyra, we're not going to write about that project. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you're like, no, go away, go away. Like, no, no, like no, I need a break. <laughs> yeah. but, but the writing's been really, mm. really interesting. Like I'm actually quite a slow writer. And and that's just given us a whole other way of working together. Actually, having to mm. having to kind of write, and then and then from that process, we're now getting other people that are mentoring us, that are um, you know that are being responsive and kind of critical to our writing. Mm-hmm. And mm. that's meant too that in our writing, we've had to read other people's writing. So <laughs> it's kind of really opened up. Um, yeah. You know, I feel like it's just really opened up a kind of a whole other way that we um, think about dialogue and. Mm. And challenging, challenging you, yeah, yeah, yeah. is a big thing, yeah. Um, it's yeah. I mean, it's kind of nice in a way to be forced to do that, right? Because unless we have kind of, I wouldn't. Some, yeah, I totally <laughs> wouldn't. I'm like, I, I, I want to draw pictures, and yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not a writer, and then, yeah. but you have to kind of extract and talk about what you're designing, or, or yeah. how will anyone know? Mm. Which so is there is that, yeah. Been really exciting too, because it gets you to think about context more, right? Yeah. Mm. And then, mm-hmm. then you got to kind of think about, you know, we, you know, how do you position or how do you move in, in that, mm-hmm. you know, to who else and, and what else is actually happening as well. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it, it is, and it's kind of funny, it comes back to one of Clara's first answers to one of your questions actually when, you know, she talked about the theoretical, mm-hmm. you know, and that there mm-hmm. actually yeah. is a, an underlying always. Well, I think we could have like a part two of this uh, conversation, <laughs> but um, just I'll kind of just wrap it up with a couple more questions. And um, first of all, just kind of asking you, 
you know, what do you what are you kind of finding personally challenging, and what do you think um, kind of Aotearoa's facing as a challenge right now? And and conversely, what are you excited and kind of hopeful about? Oh, there's lots of challenges, but they're they're political, and I don't want to get into that. Um, oh, feel and, free, feel free. No, no, no. <laughs> and we're on the brink of another, you know, pandemic 2.0, or whatever it's about to be. Um, I think it's just yeah. Oh, geez, I don't know. You go first, V. Yeah, look, it's, it's an interesting one. I mean, I think, um, yeah, a lot of time at the moment we're talking, you know, about fatigue, mm. right? And, and well-being. Um, yeah, so so I do, you know, and part of me sometimes I think now it's sort of like I think, you know, time to kind of slow down a little as well. You know, like I'm having kind of lots of conversations around timing and, you know, do um, – yeah, and even sometimes just content, you know, I've been questioning how much how much content's required for for things. Um so so uh, for me personally, it's sort of I'm trying to get um I'm usually quite an optimist, you know. So just getting back to some kind of buoyancy, you know, around that. And whether it's in um education or creative projects or um, you know, what it is to partner and support other people in their business, you know. But um, but you know, definitely it does feel challenging mm-hmm. you know, and I think a lot of people are fatigued a lot of people I think have um not survivor mode but you know I think I think it is fair to say that you know there's been a lot of challenges to businesses and even from an educational perspective you know I think we're seeing a lot of a lot of change um so. mine too I mean I've been reading on you know a lot of the design forums like contract designers are mm-hmm. having work dry up I think there's that fear and the actuality that budgets the first things to go are the creative budgets because you know they're going to keep money to keep employers and try and do more in-house and maybe not see that value exchange um whether it's sink or swim you know for their company Mm. design being the value exchange does that need to be there um but I think you know if we come on the more positive note there's the things that we talked about at the beginning around that social shift and that more inclusive you know culturally um with the communities that are around, um, just that acceptance, the gender acceptance and general acceptance of people and where they come from and what they bring and how their life may be different than yours, which I think just wasn't talked about maybe as much or as openly, that well-being, that mental health uh, thing. So there's that's all positive, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think naturally as designers but also, um, you know, kind of um, entrepreneurs, kind of business starters and owners we have to be positive that's our yeah, nature it's true um so yeah there's definitely a lot of good stuff that's happening um that's, out that's there where creativity right it's, yeah it is so um yeah it's so important and I think the chance to celebrate and mm. show up and kind of share that with yeah too. that's right that's yeah cool. and there's phenomenal things happening it's mm. pretty, pretty incredible oh yeah mm. and lots of you know I think even just in that social impact and that being responsive to like transition design and wicked mm. problems and you know it's amazing the the depth and level of collaboration that's occurring now mm. you know yeah. that's pulling you know communities culture you know iwi you know councils you know like there's some uh pretty 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 powerful work mm. that's, that's I mean katoitoi it's mm. one of those things, you know, that snapshot in time of what's happening and yeah. mm. kind of celebrating that. And um, finally, before I let you get back to your busyness, um, full <laughs> schedules, any parting words of wisdom for other designers and creatives out there? 
from? Uh, I don't know. I you know I watch my kids mm. draw, and, and it's just like I couldn't recreate that if I tried. They just have this freedom and this this expression and this wild imagination. And I just think if we could tap that or go back to that, like mm. that is, you know, I would love that. And I just think, you know, there's that quote from um, Einstein, logic will get you from A to Z, but imagination will get you everywhere. Don't quote me that that's exactly <laughs> what it is, but it's something like that. <laughs> you know, it's something like that. And I just yeah. think it's true. You know, if you can yeah. believe it, you can be it. And I, I that positivity of, mm. you know, the power of positivity and just believing in yourself and, having that creativity and like harnessing it and using it. I just think that's that's key to any kind of project because you go through those stages where you may self-doubt yourself or, you know, is this, should I do this? Like, I think every creative goes through those, the ebb and flow of up and down. Mm. Um, so just that reinforcing imagination and creativity and go for it. That's my jumbled um, yeah. words of wisdom for anyone. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I know for me, I feel like it's sort of just about acknowledging all those mm-hmm. other designers and creatives out there. Like, I mean, I, like we were saying earlier, I think people are very, very generous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whether they're generous in terms of letting students come and intern yes. or they're mentoring students or generous because they've, you know, put energy into the community, you know, whether it's Design Assembly or Designers Institute, you know, and, and forums. And, you know, I think it's pretty special. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and I think... Um, the, you know, those touch points of coming together and, um, you know, it's all even, you know, for our launch, you know, having people turn up, you know, to support, I, mm. think, I, think, it's, I think it's really powerful and I think that's something that um, is an incredible aspect about working and living here in Aotearoa. Mm. And, you know, in, in, in acknowledging you as well, Louise, you know, in the work yeah. we do and, you know, having us here and, you know, we need, we need the people mm. like you that champion that kind of um, sense of, you know, collective, cooperative, mm. you know, kind of community, you know. So it's it's awesome work you do. Mm. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, Fiona. Thank you, Farah. Um, well, I think that's a really nice uh, note to end on. And, again, thank you for your um, generosity and your time and, and sharing some insights into your journeys and your, and your process. Um, and, you know, that's part of Design Assembly is wanting to um, hold up a mirror to all of the different um people in a diversity of practice in Aotearoa so that our uh, young people um, can see themselves and come into our community. Namahi, um, thanks very much for your time. Namahi no. Yeah. Yeah, bye, Tora.